Hey guys, this is Jonathan Watkins, one of the co-hosts of this episode of The Sincast. I just wanted to give everyone a heads up that we had some minor issues with Simon's audio. He is a very expressive and animated guy, so he's pacing a bit during the interview, which of course causes the audio to register uh, a little differently at times. But the content does not waver, and Simon is one of the most exciting voices in the movie industry today, and he has some really fun and exciting stories to tell about this film. I hope you enjoy the interview, and I hope you check out Seance on May 21st. So, you know, all that had to be constructed. I had to have multiple copies of the book, which I believe is Wuthering Heights. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Jonathan Watkins. Hello, hello. And today we have a very special guest. It is writer-director Simon Barrett, who has a movie called Seance coming out in theaters on demand and digital on May 21st. Simon, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted delighted to be here. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, your movie Seance, I was wondering what your inspiration for this movie was. Um, I mean, I grew up reading... A certain style of murder mystery and also weirdly like something that's kind of started coming up in interviews that maybe like I should just mostly be talking to the therapists is the fact <laughs> that I've read I've read like hundreds of Sweet Valley High and Babysitter's Club books oh like and I mean literally <laughs> hundreds um and, and I read them as a as a youth um because I thought they would give me like insight into like I don't know the female psyche and like kind of the adult world and stuff because you know especially um when you got to stuff like the Nancy Drew case files, you know, it was mm-hmm. heavily implied that like people might do drugs or have sex or, you know, people could die. They never did. None of those things ever did happen, but you know, again, it was implicit. And I found that very captivating. Uh, you know, it, it's like, you know, this was like when I was like six or seven. Um, so, so I feel like, um, and then I kind of graduated from that to more like Agatha Christie and then more mm-hmm. hard boiled murder fiction murder mysteries and such. And, you know, but still to this day, that's a large amount of what I read for my own entertainment is murder mysteries. And I have, you know, like obsessive fandom of writers, you know, like Sarah Caldwell or something, someone who's, you know, relatively obscure in the genre. Um, And I I don't know, that's just like a passionate kind of thing for me is I love that structure. And I think it is because as a viewer, I just really enjoy being surprised. So, you know, so I, I kind of just consumed so much of that as my youth. And then as a teenager, of course, I discovered that there was something better than murder mysteries because it was everything in a murder mystery and then some, and it was called a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and I was like, well, this is just like perfect, you know, like, like especially Scream, you know, when Scream came out, it, it probably yeah. could have been a more pivotal, more pivotal film for me. I mean, I just saw it like, I saw it three times in theaters in its opening week and was just like so excited uh, by that film. And, you know, so it, it wasn't until probably Deep Red that I started to really understand like Gialli and like how there really was kind of an in-between genre between kind of classical murder mysteries and like the slasher, the post Friday the 13th Halloween slasher genre of the 80s. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of really ultimately where I wanted Seance to lie. Um, is in that space, you know, so, so, you know, I, I just consuming you know, a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> no, I, f- I feel like we had similar childhoods. I, I did unfortunately not read Babysitter's Club and, uh, 
and Sweet Valley High. But I, I, I did read a lot of Nancy Drew and because uh, uh, she was so much more interesting than the Hardy Boys. I'm sorry. It's just it's just how it is. And then I uh, she was. Yeah. She, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the Hardy Boys kind of once you get the distinctions between them, one's smart, one's like more action oriented. You know, there's not much else going on there. Um, but Nancy Drew and her friends always, you know, they, they, they had, they did have a more nuanced approach and, you know, I, I did just like, that was all I cared about when I was a kid was just like those kinds of mysteries. And so, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I just feel like I kind of wanted my first feature to be basically like a horror Nancy Drew. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm i uh, I'm very, very glad that you brought up Giallo and everything because I was going to ask you, I mean, you have the inevitable comparison to Suspiria here. Uh, yeah, with, I think I'd ideally like for people to not compare anything I do to Suspiria. <laughs> like, <laughs> just because, you know, it's kind of like like one of the greatest films ever made. And then they made another one and they spent like $40 million on that one. So it's hard to compare yourself to that one, too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Suspiria, Suspiria is such a beautiful but also very abstract film. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, like I think what is so exciting about Dario Argento in that phase of his career is, is you know, the choices he's making don't feel like they should work you know they don't feel like they should make sense but they, they kind of do mm-hmm. um and and you know and i i was definitely inspired by that but like i didn't really want to try to do anything too close to suspiria honestly just because i knew i couldn't afford it um right. kind of like a colorful approach uh i i knew would just look a bit kind of tacky in a much lower budget film um so you know so i went with a more muted color palette for seance um but yeah, I mean, Suspiria being the big one, but I think honestly, I was more influenced by Phenomena, Creepers, the Jennifer mm-hmm. Connelly one. Yeah. Because um, I just think I like the visual style of that film a little bit better. And that movie is just kind of um, crazier narratively. Oh my God. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of cr- yeah. one of the craziest narratives. Daria, Daria Nickelodeon in that movie uh, is, is my muse. I think she, she, I don't know. She just goes to places in that movie that I've just, I've never, I didn't know was possible. So, it's so uh, good. Donald it's Pleasant so to Donald Pleasant's and a monkey. Whoever thought that idea up is a brilliant. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's such a perfect film in, in, in so many ways. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like that was kind of more and, and to a certain extent, I think even like, you know, Fulci's kind of rip off of phenomena enigma, um, yeah. was also a film I kind of looked at a lot because I was more like, like this just feels more like I want to kind of see how these scenes are constructed in terms of my inspiration for Seance because Suspiria is just, like being influenced by Suspiria is like being influenced by like, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's like, like I, I, how do you imitate that? It's just doing its own thing like so kind of perfectly or whatever. Um, but, you know, but Phenomena and Enigma, I felt like I could maybe get a little closer to. yeah. And what, what is it about, I really want to do, because I I mean, I didn't go to a boarding school. Um, okay. I mean, I did no, go to private either. school, which, you know, is probably similar in some ways, but I didn't actually go to a boarding school. And um, But that setting for a mystery or a thriller or a horror movie is just so awesome. And I, is it just the isolation, maybe? I, I don't know, but I just, I, that, that setting is just always intriguing to me. Maybe because they're just stuck there and they can't go anywhere. I, I don't know. Well, going back to the kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly, I think like I think a story concept that I always find inherently interesting is a new character being inserted into it, like a pre-existing dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like that's the stranger rides into town. Um, you know, Her- Hercule Poirot shows up to like 
<laughs> rattle everyone's, you know, rattle everyone's private private lives. You know, those are the dynamics. Um, and you know, certainly that's pretty much every kind of hard boiled detective story, which science is kind of dabbling in that genre a teeny yeah. bit. Um, you know, because it's you know, you get your Sam Spade and Philip Marlowe kind of just wades in. Um, and, and so, and, you know, in, in Suki Waterhouse's two-fisted approach to justice, uh, which doesn't really serve her all that well in the film. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, I definitely talked to Suki in particular about, like, Maltese Falcon and stuff like that, like, when we were talking about, like, her character and kind of what I was looking for, for from her performance and kind of what's funny about her character. So, you know, I, I think that's kind of the interesting thing about a boarding school to me is it's, it, you know, you're setting up this, like, very uptight, restrictive kind of bureaucratic environment kind of inherently. And then within that, you can kind of, you know what the rules are, you know what the setting is and what the world is, and you can kind of subvert that and add the kind of ridiculous things on top of it. I, I think a thing that I don't like as a filmmaker is when I think movies don't make their reality clear or relatable. Like if I don't understand or don't really believe why characters are doing what they're doing. Um, and you know, there's always heightened movies that can pull this off, like Psycho Goreman, you know, is a movie that doesn't take place in like our reality, but it's but it's a good movie, right? You know, it's yeah. fine. You can't be mad at Psycho Goreman for like not adhering to like the rules because it has a different tone. But you know, but say you know, but but I do think at the same time, you know, with a more with a more sedate film, let's say, like Seance, you know, where where I'm not just being completely over the top, you know, with everything. I think you know a hard part for a horror film is establishing the reality, the world that you're then gonna disrupt, destroy, you know, kind of in front of the audience, you know, you're gonna see these characters' lives disrupted. Mm -hmm. And I think by setting into like a boarding school, that's just kind of an inherently interesting dynamic. You know, people are isolated, you know, you do have a limited number of suspects, but it's also like, you know clearly what the world is and how restrictive it is. I didn't go to boarding school, I'm, I'm a public school kid, um, but like, and, and I actually have no idea what seance gets right or wrong or what the age of its characters are even supposed to be. I've obviously got a bunch of actors in their twenties, um, you know, who are willing to trust me, you know, that that's kind of part of the fun with a film like this, um, you know, for them to be playing these kind of, I guess, late high school characters. Yeah. Um, but you know, but that's, that's part of the dynamic and, you know, and again, that's part of the fun and the tone. It's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky that my cast trusted me enough because that's, you know, that could be, something that, you know, that could be awkward, you know, or whatever, or embarrassing, but they understood that, like, this is the fun of this, and also, like, you don't necessarily want to see a bunch of teenagers <laughs> in these situations, because, you know, it's dark, it's too dark, or whatever, maybe, and, you know, that's, that's a, I guess that's a longer, more complicated discussion, um, you know, just in terms of the casting of it all, and the way that, like, Hollywood tends to kind of age up characters, um, you know, so that we can work with more experienced actors. And, and yeah, but, I, I am curious but, though when you bring that up, though, just writing teenagers and it's where I guess they they have to be a little smarter than the average teenager because I mean they're going to be you know solving a mystery or avoiding a killer or whatever. But but at the same time, they're they're still kids, so like they're not adults. Is that is that challenging as as a writer? Well, it probably would be if I made any effort to like adhere to how teenagers like actually talk, um, which is something that I have like probably realistically no concept of anymore. But you know, I guess my feeling about that is like like I always look to Heather's, which is mm -hmm. you know a, a brilliant film in a lot of ways, and is obviously riffing on like Massacre at Central High and, and other great films like that. But the, to me, the the brilliant thing um, I'm blanking on the name of the guy who wrote it, uh, Dan. Um, 
whatever. Anyway, the writer of that film, yeah. Um, like, like I like that it creates its own slang, so the movie itself doesn't feel dated. It's kind of like, or, or more accurately, Heather's feels dated no matter when you're watching it to everyone that watches it. It, it was like, it instantly feels dated because it's doing this kind of like campy approach to slang. And I think with like Seance, I was very aware that if I tried to have the characters talk in any way that felt modern, A, that's not really the kind of story I'm telling. You know, everyone has cell phones in the movie and it's clearly set in like our modern times, but I wanted to make it feel otherwise like a fairly timeless film. Like it could be, you know, from the 70s, late 60s, you know, kind of the peak of the Gialli, uh, you know, craze sort of. Um, you know, so I kind of wanted it to feel like the films of that era to a certain extent, but also, um, you know, I just feel like if you get too modern with any language, it, the film's just going to age poorly. So I decided to cast the film with young characters. Um, it's not, you know, not that clear how, uh, like, what their backgrounds are and such. And I thought it was, I would just have them talk the way I kind of wanted them to talk. <laughs> you, by the way, are the first guest to drop Massacre at Central High. Uh, and so I think now you're my favorite uh, guest mm. ever. Well, it's, it's probably like one of the most important movies ever made. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I, and I like kind of sincerely believe that because like, <laughs> it, it, it's something that like I cite all the time, like for like, uh, you know, like, like look at how kind of, uh, you know, what used to be considered kind of nerd culture, comic book culture has become the dominant mainstream, mm -hmm. but people are kind of still very defensive about that. Their fandom of that. I always think about Massacre at Central High. Mm -hmm. I always think about Massacre at Central High whenever I see like these like cultural discourses going on about like geek culture and nerd culture and, and whether it should be like protected or, or dominate, you know, the mainstream. Um, not that yeah. these are the, you know, even remotely important conversations for anyone to be considering, but it's what we do. <laughs> Do you consider this your feature directorial debut? Yeah, I mean, I directed the wraparound for VHS two, right? Um, and you know, but that was, you know, a fairly limited thing, and I don't necessarily think I did a very good job with that. Um, hmm. But yeah, this is my first feature. I would I, say, I, yeah. What would what sort of made you decide? All right, I I I want to direct this. I mean, you had done many many movies, uh, mostly with uh, Adam Wingard, because a lot of people would know you're next or the guest and stuff like that. But um, what 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 finally made you say, all right, I'm directing this one? Well, I mean, I doubt it'll really surprise anyone to hear that. I, I always wanted to direct, um, mm -hmm. but it is true. I mean, I majored in cinematography. Uh, my degree is in photography. Um, from film school, which I, I wasn't there for that long, but, you know, I put in my time enough to get a degree um, somehow and, uh, after the fact. And, um, and I ended up uh, concentrating on cinematography because I was just focused on directing and kind of making movies myself. Um, and then my career just honestly went in a different direction. I mean, I, 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 um, long story short, I basically wrote a low-budget horror script um, to direct myself and ended up selling it. Um, to a studio that, want, that did not want me to direct it. And it was that mm -hmm. simple. Um, and so suddenly I was a writer. And, you know, it was more like when we were doing The Guest was when I kind of started to realize, like, it was time for me to start really concretely working to direct a feature. Um, and that was mainly because, you know, on those early films with Adam, I was so busy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I really directly produced those movies. You know, I was, like, forming the LLCs and getting, like, insurance and you know, renting equipment and stuff. Um, 
you know, you know, it was a beyond a full time job working on movies like You're Next um, and A Horrible mm-hmm. Way to Die, and even even the VHS films. Yeah. Um, but with the guests, suddenly we had a budget and there's an infrastructure, and I started to feel like a real screenwriter on set, which is to say, I was just sitting around uh, <laughs> watching the movie get made, and I didn't have anything to do. Um, and and I didn't like that feeling very much. I mean, I did like that feeling because it meant everything was going well for like the first time in like our careers but i also was like well what am i i can't just sit here and be like you know adam's screenwriter I, you know that's just not going to be creatively fulfilling in the same way that our collaboration was up until this point um and especially because i knew adam was going on to death note after blair witch i mean that was when mm-hmm. it was really like okay well you know i there's no real room for me on that project and beyond that you know it's not really the sort of thing i'm necessarily excited about doing and you know and so i kind of was like you know, I really wanted Seance to do my first feature because <laughs> I mistakenly thought, um, you know, its budget and kind of restrictive elements would make it a fairly easy feature to direct mm-hmm. um, compared to, you know, something like The Guest, which has like a fair amount of action and a lot of different locations and such. You know, Seance to me felt more contained and it felt like all the scares were things that I, I thought were achievable. And uh, all that turned out to be uh, untrue, <laughs> um, for for various reasons. Which is, you know, that's how that's that's filmmaking, uh, that's indie filmmaking for sure. But you know, but it, it really did just feel like a story that was personal to me, um, which is probably a silly thing to say about a story that takes place at a girls' boarding school. But I, I didn't really feel like it was anyone else's sensibility, like kind of other than my own. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't really Adam's sensibility. I mean, even the score for for Seance, you know, which is um, Sicker Man. You know, is doing a lot of kind of like, um, you know, quasi like even like orchestral stuff in some in some scenes. You know, it's it's fairly classical, uh, and you know, like I, I really wanted to explore kind of that style, uh, which I just knew was something that like was something that I'm personally very interested in. Um, you know, that no one else really is. It's just like even the score was just like a, a certain type of music that I thought was really interesting and an artist that I really wanted to work with. So. It was just like little specific things that I started to realize, like, I'm really thinking of this just as a director. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think anyone else, you know, would want to get this movie made the way that I do. So, yeah. You know, so that was that. You had alluded to the casting earlier. Um, how did you come about uh, a lot of these actors? Uh, uh, what, what was your, um, what were you looking for? Well, Suki was first. Um <laughs> Because Suki really got the movie financed, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one really liked the script, um, you know, initially. And, and I think people didn't really get the humor of it. Yeah. Suki really did. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, 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 and like sitting down with her and meeting her for the first time was like my first moment of like, okay, well, first of all, like she does need to be the lead. Like I do kind of get what, what her vibe is and, and just that she's like a very strange person, um, you know, in, in ways that I can totally like relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then once, you know, once she kind of agreed to play the lead role, because I think she just, I think she really got, I think, I think Suki really got the joke of the script and, and got why it was funny. Um, and then like, like once we had her, it was just like, well, we just need to find like a handful of other people to, to like to, who agree in that. Um, and that was really hard to do. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I had a wonderful um, casting director at the end of the here in LA who, who really helped me find people like Madison Beatty and Anana Sarkis. And then almost everyone else 
the film's cast is kind of interesting. Um, you know, when we were up on set making Seance, uh, I didn't work with anyone on that movie who I'd worked with before, at least not until post. It was entirely a new crew and cast for me because it was just a totally different experience, you know, different producers because, you know, the producers who did Your Next and the Guest were off doing other things. Adam was off doing other things. You know, I made it, I kind of basically put together the financing with Hanway and Dark Castle and Ingenious kind of work on my own with uh, Addictive Pictures. And, you know, it, it just kind of came about in a weird way so that by the time we made the film, we only have one American actor in the movie, which is Madison Beatty. Everyone else is British or Canadian, and there were only, I think, two other Americans on set besides myself and Madison, uh, our production designer, Marge Fieri, and uh, Connie Hoy, our line producer. So it was a very, like, Canadian cast and crew. Um, I like casting locally as much as I can because I just think it's a good vibe, and I like discovering new people and just mm -hmm. finding new talent. And, like, you know, so, you know, once we had Suki and LRA and Madison and Anana, then, you know, it was really, like, you know, Seamus, Seamus I knew from Channel Zero, you know, he was in uh, Channel Zero, uh, my, probably my favorite, I don't, I don't know if it's my favorite season, but he was in um, The No End House, uh, I think is the yeah, one that he yeah. was in, and, and he's, he's really awesome in that, uh, he, spoilers, I think he ends up beating himself to death, and like, <laughs> it's, it's a really just like great scene, um, and, and like, I, I just thought he was a really interesting actor, so I knew, you know, I knew I wanted to cast him, and you know, Anana was more of a discovery. Madison, I knew from the Clovich Killer, and of course, Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um, had just come out, and I, you know, I knew she was awesome in both those films. But honestly, I mainly cast her off the Clovich Killer because, I mean, you know, you have no idea how many like, shooting days Tarantino has. You can't watch a Tarantino movie and judge a performance because everyone's amazing in his movies because he's kind of a genius. So Clovich Killer felt more like like my budget. And she's amazing in that movie. So it was stuff like that. And, you know, and, and again, uh, and then uh, Marina, um, who plays the headmistress, uh, Marina Stevenson-Kerr, was also a Channel Zero veteran. Uh, she was actually in both season one. She has a large role. And then Evan Katz, uh, my pal Evan Katz, brought her back for season four for a smaller part. And um, so, you know, so it's just like... Fortunately, I was a big Channel Zero fan. I, I am too. Uh, yeah. No, Ch Channel Zero is great. I, I was kind of sad they didn't keep it going, but they, you know, we've got that four good seasons. Had a really unique approach to horror mm -hmm. um, that I really thought was interesting, which is, you know, it had the confidence to like show you something scary and keep showing it to you until it stopped being scary and started being kind of surreal and ridiculous, and then continue <laughs> showing it to you until it starts getting scary again. You're like unnerved by how long it's just like on screen. It's it, it really was. I, I I think more people should study how those episodes were directed because they really had some scares in those in that in those uh, in those episodes um, that like I think are pretty innovative. Uh, yeah. Um, one of my favorite parts of this movie is uh, the relationship that uh, Camille and H Helena have. Um, and aside from the, the great performances that they give, what, what did you put into that, um, uh, that relationship that makes it seem so real and, uh, and touching to me? Uh, I'm, I'm, well, I'm thrilled to hear you say that. Um, I will say that at a certain point, um, you know, some of my financiers weren't that into that relationship and kind oh, of yeah. wanted it maybe excised from the film. And I got really lucky because uh, Hal Sadoff, who's the current head of Dark Castle, I think his teenage daughter watched Seance and like really liked like 
really liked in particular like the relationships. So he yeah. he ended up backing me in the editing room at kind of a crucial moment. Um, you know, because I, I had a lot of creative freedom on this, but ultimately, you know, when it comes to the edit room, your financiers are suddenly going to want to know, you know, what you did up there in Winnipeg and how they're going to get their money back, which they did. It all worked out great. Seance is a, it's a profitable film. I'm very happy. But like, um, but yeah, there was a point where that was kind of, um, you know, being debated. Uh, I wasn't debating it. I was furious that anyone <laughs> would consider changing anything, uh, of course, about my work. Um, usual, yeah. you know, first time director approach. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, it was one of those things where like, like an actual teenager was like, no, this is good. And then the conversation was over. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much, you know, for me, it felt kind of like, um, you know, if this was kind of the last film in the like John Hughes, mysterious stranger slasher trilogy with like the guest in your next, you know, I knew I wanted it to be a happier film. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of its ending, because those films are very dark in their approach to relationships, and obviously Seance has a lot of the same themes, but I didn't want to just be like, I didn't want it to just be an utterly cynical film. Um, Your Next mm -hmm. being, I think, a fairly cynical film, which was very much uh, where <laughs> yeah. I was at in my life at that point, but like, it kind of felt like if, if, if um, and not that I'm not still a cynical and happy person, because obviously no amount of success will ever change that, um, I, I, I and, and certainly no amount of therapy, but like, you know, for me, like, I felt like I wanted Seance to ultimately be a happier and more fun movie than, than like, you know, your next, and to a certain extent, those, your next is pretty funny and fun, but like, again, there's a, there's a very, there's definitely a, a grimness to the humor and, you know, in the original script for your next, Charney's character dies at the end. Everyone died. No, oh, wow. Script. The joke of the original <laughs> script of your next was I was really riffing on it and then there were none, which is a huge mm, inspiration yeah, yeah. for me, obviously. Yeah. But, like, the whole idea was the cop, played by Calvin Reader, would shoot Charney, uh, Aaron, in the head, walk in and get the axe in the face, and the cops would just find two houses with 16 dead bodies and no explanation other than your next written on the wall in blood. <laughs> and and that was kind of the joke, but then you watch what Charney's doing, and you're like, well, no one wants to see her die at the end. Like, like that's not that's actually kind of mean spirited. You realize it's it's a it's a it's sacrificing a, a kind of a heroic character arc for the sake of a, of a kind of cruel punchline. And you and you know, I didn't have I I I argued for a certain point like that she, her character should die. We shot it both ways, but there was no question in the edit room. So we actually filmed her getting shot in the head though. I mean, that's something we don't talk about that much because it just reveals how incompetent we are. Um, but, but we got it right eventually. And so seance kind of was the same thing. I wanted like a happy feeling uh, in the movie somewhere. And I felt like Helena, Ella Ray Smith is kind of the heart of the movie in a weird way. She's actually mm -hmm. the only character who ever accomplishes anything productive. If you, really kind of pay attention um but she's she like i kind of wanted like a character that the audience could just purely kind of root for kind of like micah's character anna and the guest where you, you have a bit of a an audience surrogate but it's not maybe necessarily like the person who's the most active seemingly um and i just think that's always interesting so thank you for saying that i don't want to like spoil anything but basically i just wanted the film to kind of have a bit of a heart is i guess my way of putting at it awesome. and i really liked those characters and i just didn't want to like completely make this all about everyone just being dark and cynical and out to kill each other well and and, and not a and this is not a spoiler of anything i just like i just like the the part where helena comes by the room by her room by camille's room 
and is saying, I just wanted to come by and see if everything's okay and all this. And, and Camille reads into her being uh, concerned uh, as more of uh, Helena, Helena being uh, uh, scared. So she invites her into her room to stay um, and everything. And this is something that's very just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a really awesome thing that you pulled off there. And um, it just, uh, I, I love little things like that where there's, they don't say, you know, you don't go out right out and say what just happened. It's just, it's just, you know, very natural uh, what what we saw on screen and everything. So I'm I'm, I'm getting like emotional that you that you liked that because like <laughs> sincerely that's like so important to me. Um, and I'm not good. At, I'm not good at talking about like the things that I try to do sincerely mm-hmm. in in my work. You know, like 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 the messages or, or the emotions. I I just kind of think it's best if like I don't intellectually try to weigh in on that sort of material, but. But I mean, I do think, I, I think when it comes to romance in a film, I think everyone can relate to, you know, feeling damaged and like uncertain of, about making a connection mm-hmm. um, with another human being. And I, I think there's something very kind of relatable about that uh, uncertainty or insecurity uh, for everyone. And, and so I think like, you know, I, I, I felt like it was important to show yeah, that they that there's a genuine moment of caring um, in this very strange, uh, you know, kind of silly, uh, you know, slasher movie. And again, I mean, this was this was the experiment of seance versus your next to the guest. And in, in I mean, I kind of did just want to get this out of my system before I could go on to direct something else because I kind of wasn't done telling that particular type of story. Um, where mm-hmm. characters are, are, are like lying a lot and that's where a lot of the, the twists come from. I kind of wanted to do that again, but I wanted to just do it in a nicer way. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then kind of be done with it because I just kind of wanted to leave, I just kind of wanted to leave things on a more positive note. Um, mm-hmm. And so so thank you for responding to that. That really means a lot to me. And, and you know, speaking of spoilers, I'm trying to find a way to, to sort of dodge around spoilers, but... You know, you have the questions that you have, and, and you're like, "All right, let's see if we can ask this question." But I'll, I'll do my best to not spoil. I, I keep, I keep almost spoiling the movie in my answers because I just like forget that, like, <laughs> what the audience for this is. But so I'll right. do my best uh, to, to, um, to navigate with my response. There are there are some very fun deaths in this movie. <laughs> oh, that's nice of you to say. Um, <laughs> they, they weren't um, fun to shoot. <laughs> I'm sure they weren't, uh, because I'm sure it was, there was some complexities that involved in, uh, in these that make them come off the way that they do. Um, is this something that you have written down on the script or do you go into, uh, a room like where this happens and, uh, and say, you know what we can do? We can do this with these props that are in here. How do you oh. come about deaths like these? No, I mean, the, 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 the short answer to that is that everything has to be planned. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the, 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 I think you're, you're kind of largely referring to like a bit of a, a bit of a fight that happens in kind of a library storage room. Right, so right. any, any yep. gag in that scene is like a built special effect usually for the most part that took like weeks to build. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, there's a moment in the movie where someone tries to stab someone else and they block it with a book and the person stabs through the book. Um, I mean, that was like a blade loaded on a, you know, loaded on a little spring that would fire through the book, uh, you know, on a cue 
and you know, I'm, I'm, we're faking the stab and a bunch of stuff. So, you know, all that had to be constructed. I had to have multiple copies of the book, which I believe is Wuthering Heights. Um, <laughs> I, was, I, I chose Wuthering Heights because I thought it was funny. And I've read Wuthering Heights, by the way, so don't, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I, I, I can make fun of it. Um, yeah. and, and so, uh, so, you know, so I like, so we had like multiple copies of Wuthering Heights with like a pre-drilled hole, you know, for example. So all that had to be planned. Um, what I actually usually end up having to do is massively downscale my ambitions. Okay. And when working with a talented, experienced director like Adam Wingard, he'll flag stuff way in advance and be kind of like, we're not going to have time to get this. We're not going to have time to shoot this this way. We need to start thinking of ways to like reconceive this. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I was directing this time, so no one could tell me that about my own work. <laughs> Um, so I bit off way more than I could chew. Um, I will say that like there's there are gags that represent me hastily downscaling gags at, gags at the last minute. Me being kind of like, okay, well maybe this just happens and then this just happens. Um, but for the most part, that action sequence at, this, at the end is entirely as scripted. Uh, every one of those beats had to be pretty planned out because I was working with actors that, um, I mean, you know, Suki's amazing, but she's not, you know, a trained fighter necessarily. Uh, she came mm -hmm. to my martial arts school to train with me a few nights before we went off to Winnipeg, which I really appreciated her doing. But, you know, I mean, that a few classes isn't going to make, you know, her Jackie Chan. Um, yeah. So, so you know, so, so we had to really think about what those shots were and plan them. And, you know, and, and obviously each one of those things takes like, you know, a, a shot that's like a third of a second in the movie maybe took us, you know, two hours to get when it comes to the kind of stuff we're talking about here with these fights and, and, and gore gags. So uh, it all took a long, all that stuff is, is scripted and, and planned. And I would love to get to the point where I could um, be a bit more creative, but just like the kitchen fight scene in your next, um, which is kind of a similar sequence, um, you mm -hmm. know, that was all scripted. That was all gags. And we just, and we had it all planned shot by shot. It's like, okay, we need her we need a shot of her grabbing this. We need this. Then we need this. Then we need this. And then that, that'll get us out of the scene. <laughs> And, and it's just, you just have to pick those moments beat by beat. And, you know, that's often too. I like doing a lot of takes. Adam likes doing a lot of takes. That's where you get into the single take territory. It's like, okay, that worked. Let's move on. Like, yeah. okay, you know, there's a moment um, in the film where Suki gets knocked out. And it was just like, okay, we got it. I'm not making her fall more than twice. Like, <laughs> yeah. So like, like, you know, it's one of those things where you, you know, you rehearse at half speed, then you go up to like three quarters speed. And then, you know, by the time you're rolling, you know, ideally everyone's moving, you know, at the correct speed that you want them to. But the reason you do that is so you don't have to do take after take and you don't risk people getting hurt. Because I will tell you that the problem working with Suki Waterhouse is not a lack of enthusiasm, but a concern that she's <laughs> going to go 100% and injure herself right. um, by slamming her. I mean, she was like totally willing, you know, she's one of those actors who would prefer to do all her own stunts and you just have to tell her like, absolutely not. Like, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, so, so you really don't, you don't want, you know, Suki doing take after take after take because, you know, that's who knows. That's when someone might get tired and might slip and someone might actually hit someone. Um, so you really want to try to plan everything, get everything, you know, together and get it in one. Now, if I'm, you know, if I, was, if I, if I ever worked with like Joe Taslim or someone, you know, maybe it'll yeah. be maybe then it's a situation where it's like, okay, let's riff a little bit and figure out what this, what this is going to be. Um, but you know, I, I choreographed basically a lot of the fight scenes working with a, our stunt coordinator, a guy named BJ Vero, uh, up in Winnipeg, great guy. I think he also did a little stunt work on nobody. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and he and I really, it was just like, what's, 
what's funny and interesting and achievable <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. was the only was the mandate it was like 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 you know let's do things that we haven't seen before but let's keep them within the realms of reality please <laughs> I, yeah, so, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mean to to say that you know that you went in head first and said, "Well, we don't know how we're going to oh, no, kill no, people." I, I, I just no. I, I totally get the question, which is, yeah, it, it feels like you're playing around and, and being spontaneous. It, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think honestly, I do want to do. I, I hope to get to that point, but uh, you know, seance, everything was every every single one of those gore beats was very scripted because uh, everything mm-hmm. was you know a major build and, and such. I think that's almost more impressive, though, that you thought of those deaths yeah. in advance because the the it, it looks like I mean it does look like uh, the way the action is shot on screen it looks like it's it just occurs to I mean and it does obviously in 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 the movie world it occurs to these characters to do this stuff on the spot but it really does seem like that you know on screen it doesn't come off as boy well they must have really planned this out you know it's it doesn't come off that way so it really comes off really well that you thought of these deaths on the on page so um you know i i loved them i i think that i think that's a big selling point for for horror fans for sure well, well you know a friend, a friend of mine is gareth evans who did the raid you know the raid yeah oh yeah we've i've been friends with gareth and and you know Eco and Joe, you know, kind of ever since 2011. Um, and Gareth and I text all the time, and we're always letting each other know what, like, Hong Kong Blu-rays are coming out and stuff. And and, and it's really kind of watching his work and the way he was influenced by Jackie Chan. Because that, that's really what makes Jackie Chan the greatest, isn't it? It's, it's that he mm-hmm. lets himself look frantic and desperate. You watch Police Story, and it just yeah. looks like he's just getting his ass kicked. Oh, like, yeah. It, I mean, it does not look like that's a choreographed fight scene. It just looks like he is doing his absolute best to stay on his feet and that's the kind of fighting that i love because nothing people you know hollywood gets so many things wrong but one thing mm-hmm. that actors especially get wrong is they always try to be too cool and they want to yeah. they want to appear tough but tough people are boring they're, they're unrelatable and they're boring that's why mm-hmm. tom cruise is so likable is because he lets himself look scared before he jumps out of the helicopter <laughs> yeah you know yeah. he gives that little moment where he's like shit i don't want to do this and then he does it and you're like that was great I care mm-hmm. way more because this guy didn't just like, you know, Vin Diesel it and like wink at the camera and then like, like jump through a building, <laughs> right. and, you know? And, and so with, Su- with Suki, I knew that like, I-, I thought a funny thing about Camille and obviously one of the jokes in Sans is that Camille gets more and more fucked up as the film goes on. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Dan and the guest. I just think there's some, or, or Charney and you're next. There's something compelling to me in, in, you know, as Chumbawamba said about a character that gets knocked down and gets back up again. Mm-hmm. And that's Jackie Chan. Like to me, I don't want to see a character who doesn't, who gets punched in the face and reacts like you know, like they're Captain America. I want to see a character who gets punched in the face, clutches their nose, goes like, "God damn it," which is what I would do. <laughs> but then they get right back into it, you know. And and that's that's the kind of thing that I think is likable and compelling in a way that Hollywood just always gets wrong because we want these people to be, you know, pristine gods on the big screen, but but. And and I mean I really once again I have to give Suki Madison Anana like Jade everyone Stephanie everyone in Seance oh, especially Seamus everyone in Seance was willing with letting me willing to let me make them appear a little bit silly like no one is operating from ego they all were willing to appear ridiculous for the mm-hmm. sake of the humor and the story um, and especially someone like Suki you know who's who's kind of a star in her strange Suki. Suki you know, fame world, it, 
it, it's really cool of her to let herself do a movie like this, I think, where she's yeah. willing to just like constantly look a little bit in over her head. And, and yeah. I think that's just like, I think that's just so compelling. You see someone get in over their head and, and work their way out of it. I, I think that matters. Probably audiences are just like, wait, I don't know if I want to watch this horror movie anymore. It sounds really confusing. But that's okay. <laughs> um, we're we're I think we're almost out of time, yeah. but I do have one more question. Um, I, I, and this is a very simple one, but I I love the title uh, screen of this movie. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I love how you've made the title, and it's all cursive and and very prim and proper, and everything. What what was the uh, idea behind that? Uh, Mitski's uh, Puberty Two album. Uh, I thought that, wow. I thought that, I thought the font looked so cool uh, and I couldn't figure out what it was. So I just started experimenting with fonts and that was as close as I could get. Um, so like, I mean, I like the title for seance was, I think uh, it was basically designed by my editor, James Vandewater and, and kind of myself and in, in Avid. And then we handed it over to Technicolor and they just recreated it in high resolution. And we were just like, Oh yeah. Okay. That looks pretty good. But yeah, it was, it was honestly, it's that puberty too. I just thought the way, the way that looked when you wrote seance and like that kind of cursive pink font, I was just like, that's, that's it. So honestly, I don't, um, I don't always have calculated reasons for my choices and, and then interviews become, you know, it's that weird thing where they say that like most, we as humans don't really often think about choices before we make them. We just kind of rationalize them after the fact. Yeah. That's what like directing really is at a certain level. I mean, I especially imagine that's true if you're like, you know, David Lynch or Shinya Sukamoto or someone. But like, for me, it's like, it's like, you know, I don't really know why I thought a pink cursive font was right for seance. I just know that I thought Puberty 2 looked cool. And, yeah. I, and uh, so it's actually, it was actually in the lookbook. It was in the lookbook for seance. I, I had to create a mood book to try to shop this project to financiers, which I finally managed to hook a couple people. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and uh, that was actually the font and the way it was written in the lookbook. And uh, that was me and my friend Christopher, again, uh, trying to find the puberty two font um, in my keynote. <laughs> so, so yeah, I just thought it looked cool. I don't have any good answer for that. Perfectly fine. I think, I think it's great that it's basically based on an album. I mean, that's uh that's as good as any answer as I, as I would have well, ever, I mean, would no ever. ever really called us out for it, but I think you're next. I think the, the, the inspiration for your next was a modest mouse EP. Uh, no one's first in your next. That's where I got the title from. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I just thought that was cool and like calling me your next, like, but I think that was where I initially got that. And, you know, and I mean, I, I just knew I didn't want it to look totally like a horror movie thing. And then also, um, I, I think if you don't have money to do a good opening credit sequence, you shouldn't waste people's time with them. You should just get to the story. You know, it's like, here's the mm-hmm. movie. Like, why am I, you know, it, let's, let's go. And so I kind of knew I would just have like a title screen and I just wanted it to be this like nice kind of nice thing. And that, that, you know, went away really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, that. um, Jonathan, do you have anything? No, uh, it's, and, and we're, I think we're getting the, the flashing light that we need to wrap up a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, we would like to thank, uh, Simon Barrett for giving him, yeah, giving man. us his time. It's very awesome. The movie is seance. It comes out in theaters on demand and digital on may 21st thank you so much for talking to us simon thank you sir thank you very much for having me this was great i appreciate it yeah absolutely and uh that's going to do it for this interview it's chris atkinson and jonathan Watkins. we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com